Well, we're going to take our Bibles and turn to the Old Testament uh, book of Isaiah. And we're turning to Isaiah 53 this evening. Uh, You'll find it on pages 613 over into 614 of our Pew Bibles. As I said at the beginning, we're going to be pulling on some of the threads that we thought about this morning, some of the themes that we teased out from Exodus chapter 12. And we're going to read from Isaiah 53 together this evening. We're going to read the whole of the chapter, uh, 12 verses long. Uh, You'll find it on pages 613 over into page 614 of the Pew Bible. Isaiah 53, one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible, and this is God's word to us. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, And with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Like a sheep that is before its shears silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. And as for this generation... Who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people? And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He, he has put him to grief when his soul makes an offering for guilt. He shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand." Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he, he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us this evening. Well, let's turn in our Bibles to Isaiah 53. Uh, We're going to think about this great Old Testament chapter for a few few moments this evening as we come in the posture of thanks. As you're turning Isaiah 53 up, uh, let's pray for a moment together. Father, we thank you again for your grace to us, and we thank you that we are found again in your presence together as a church family tonight. Uh, We pray that you would speak to us by your word. We thank you that in the Old Testament we have Jesus revealed to us in types and in shadows, and we pray that as we pull on some of the threads uh, from this chapter that we would see that Jesus again is the Lamb of God 
who has come to save us and rescue us. Bless us as we think about this chapter in these moments and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the nicest things that you can experience in life is perhaps the moment where someone steps in and pays for something instead of you. You can imagine the scene. You're out for lunch with a friend. You've both ordered and you move towards the till and your friend steps in and says, don't worry, I've got this. I've got you covered. Uh, Many of you will have known the Reverend Noel Agnew. He, He died several years ago and he's missed by many of us. And Noel did something that I, among others, deeply appreciated. He took time and spent, spent it with young men who were training for gospel ministry. On several occasions, I met him for lunch, and he would always pick up the bill. He would always say, don't worry, I've got this. I've got you covered. It's the same if you have a gift voucher that you can use in a restaurant or in a hotel. You order your meal, you get your spa treatment, and then you simply hand over the gift voucher because someone else has covered the bill on your behalf. Someone has covered a debt that you owed. When we think about the covering of a debt, we're beginning to think in a very biblical way. In fact, we're moving towards thinking about the heart of Christianity, the heart of the gospel. When the Bible speaks of covering debts, it doesn't speak of debts being swept under the carpet and hidden from view. When the Bible speaks of covering debts, it speaks of someone, to, someone coming to cancel a debt by making an equivalent payment. Of someone coming and saying, I have got you covered. As well as the image of someone coming to cover a debt, the Bible also tells us that the one who has come to pay the debt is like a lamb. The, the, the image is all over the Old Testament, as we'll see in a moment, but it's clearly portrayed in the New Testament as well. Listen to what Peter writes again in 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. We heard these verses this morning. Peter says that knowing that you were ransomed or purchased or bought back from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Tonight as we come to give thanks following our time around the Lord's table this morning, we're going to think about what the Lamb of God has done on our behalf. We're going to take a look at Isaiah 53. And as we do that, I have three simple headings, two questions and a closing phrase. Where is the Lamb? Who is the Lamb? Worthy is the Lamb. That's where we're going this evening. And hopefully we'll be taken to the heart of the message of Isaiah 53. First of all then, where is the Lamb? This question doesn't so much come from Isaiah 53, but it comes from an earlier Old Testament passage, Genesis 22. The question, where is the lamb, was surely the question Abraham was dreading, hearing from his son Isaac. In Genesis 22, Abraham is told by God to take his son and to sacrifice him on a hill that God will show him. In obedience and faith, Abraham listens to God and follows through with what he's been told. He and his son go up the mountain, and as they make their way there, the question from Isaac comes. Genesis 22 verse 7 says, And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold the fire in the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham replies without missing a beat. He masterly says, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. 
After that, the Bible tells us that Abraham and Isaac continued on their journey. Isaac essentially said, we have the wood, we have the means to put the wood in the fire, but where is the lamb? And Abraham says, God has got this covered. It would be helpful for you to read the rest of Genesis 22 when you get home this evening, because what we have in Genesis 22 is the first explicit mention of a substitutionary sacrifice. It's the first mention of one life being given on account of another life. To ruin the story for you, Isaac isn't sacrificed because God provides a ram. Genesis 22:13 tells us, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. The ram takes the place of the boy. It's a substitutionary sacrifice. In the next part of the Bible, we see the same thing. In Exodus, we have the story of the Passover, the great flight of God's people from Egypt. This morning, we read about the sad and grim death of the firstborn child in Egyptian houses. But the houses of Israel, the, but in the houses of Israel, the death in the house was the death of a lamb. You, you can imagine the question within families: well, what, what is happening with the lamb? What's the lamb doing? But, but by being sacrificed, it was providing food but it was also shedding its blood so that the lintels of the doorposts might be painted, so that the household would be covered. A lamb was sacrificed in place of those who would otherwise die. We could keep going and going and going. In the next book of the Bible, Leviticus, we have the Day of Atonement described for us. It's Leviticus 16. You might want to read that later as well. Well, what happened on the Day of Atonement was that that the high priest confessed all the sins all the, rebellion, all the rebellion, all the mess of all the people from the previous year. He then took an animal and banished it into the wilderness. It was loaded down with the sins of God's people and was never to be seen again. We could continue to track and trace this theme of substitution throughout the Old Testament, but at some point it would become boring. But the point is, where is the lamb? Well, actually, he's, he's everywhere you look. It's dotted throughout the pages of scripture. And this is one of the most important things for us to remember as we're reading the Bible and particularly as we read the Old Testament. Every story recorded, every psalm, every proverb, in some way points us forward to the lamb. Every story whispers his name. Where, where is the lamb? Well, he's right throughout the Bible. But who is the lamb? That's our second question. Where is the lamb? Everywhere we look. But who is the lamb? If you were to read right through the Old Testament, you would come to the conclusion that that the idea of someone dying in place of another will only happen if a person dies as a substitute for persons. The reason for that is because the sacrifice of an animal is not a willful sacrifice. The problem with sin is that it's willful. We sin because we want to sin. We rebel because we want to rebel. The conclusion of the Old Testament is that it's going to have to take someone who exercises their will to be a sacrifice. That person is first revealed to us in Isaiah 42. Isaiah speaks of the Lord's chosen servant coming. He says, a bruised reed he will not break and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Isaiah 42 is, of course, building towards Isaiah 53, which is a chapter which speaks of a servant willfully giving up his life. Isaiah 53 verse 12 says, Yet he bore the sin of many 
and makes intercession for the transgressors. Isaiah 53 is also a chapter which speaks about people hiding their faces from this servant. He was despised, they esteemed him not. There was nothing impressive about this servant. Nobody was struck by his background. He was like a root out of dry ground. He wasn't well built. He didn't have an impressive personality. He wasn't even handsome. He didn't meet any of, any of the requirements for modern leadership. And people hid from him. Instead of following the servant, they hid from him. Who, who is the lamb? Who, who, who is this servant? Isaiah tells us a little bit more about him. He says that he was a man of sorrows. It's a pathetic picture. He, he's a man of sorrows, not because of his own sorrows, but because of the sorrows of others, our sorrows, our problems. The servant is characterized by grief, but it's not his own grief. He takes upon himself all that spoils and ruins our lives. You see, Isaiah has got our brokenness down to a T. Listen to verse 6. I, I learned this verse when I was young. It's, it's one of those verses that we just know by heart. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has led on him the iniquity of us all. You see, we're all in the same boat. We've all gone astray. We're all in it together. But we, we can't hide in the herd. We, we've all got the same problem. But there's also the fact of our individual responsibility, our individual rebellion against a holy God. We've all turned away. But, but, but Isaiah 53 has this picture of substitution. The Lord has led on him the iniquity of us all. The servant was pierced. Why? Because of our willful rebellion. He was crushed because of our treason against God. But by his death, the servant bears our punishment. Verse 5 says this. It says, Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. This chapter answers the great question, How can a man or a woman be put in a right position with God. We are the ones with the transgressions and iniquities, but the servant knows the punishment. We know the peace. Who is this servant? Who is the lamb? Isaiah wants to know. As he's writing, you can imagine him wondering who the servant is going to be. The servant has to identify with sinners, meet the requirements of a holy God, and be willing to die in the place of others. Who is the servant? Who fits the bill? Are there any takers? One of the things we should remember about Isaiah 53 is that it's the chapter that ex that, that's excluded from the Sabbath readings of the prophets in the Jewish synagogue. So when it comes to the day you're supposed to read Isaiah 53, they just skip it and move on to the next bit. It's never read. It's evaded. Why could that be? But, but by contrast, did you know that Isaiah 53 is the most quoted chapter from the Old Testament in the New Testament. It's quoted constantly. All the verses of Isaiah 53, bar one, are echoed in the New Testament. Eight of them are quoted directly. Who is the Lamb? The Jews avoid him. The New Testament speaks clearly of him. And John the Baptist picks him out of the crowd. Remember what John the Baptist says to those around him in John 1.29? He basically says, stop a second, everyone, just look at this. Here is the lamb. That's the guy. Listen to John 1, 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
The Jews who, who, who heard John would have known what he was saying. They would have known the question Isaac asked Abraham, where is the lamb? They would have known that the whole of the Old Testament was, was asking the question, who is the lamb? And suddenly, in a moment, John the Baptist says, here he is. That's him. It's Jesus. In another part of the, uh, part of the New Testament, part that we quoted earlier, Paul says that Jesus is our Passover lamb. Isaiah 53 belongs to Jesus Christ. It's his chapter. Isaiah 53 speaks so clearly of Jesus. You look at the details of this chapter and you just think, well, who else could this be about? Th th think of what the hymn writers have said of Jesus. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. There was no other good enough to pay the price of sin he only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Who is the lamb? It's none other than Jesus himself. And Isaiah 53 tells us that he has become our substitute. He has stood in the place of sinners so that we might have our relationship with God restored. He has given us a seat at his table, even though we like sheep have gone astray. Thirdly and finally, worthy is the lamb. Where is the lamb? Who is the lamb? Worthy is the lamb. By the time you get to the final book of the Bible, you find that the lamb that Isaac asked about in Genesis is actually at the very center of history. All of history is moving towards the great day when the lamb will be worshiped and glorified. Listen to what John writes in Revelation 5. He says, and they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you've made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they shall reign on the earth. And then I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the, and the elders the voice of many angels numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. It's incred incredible, isn't it? And that's just Revelation 5. L listen to the end of Revelation 7. For the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. The lamb who is at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. It's like the language is all mixed up. But of course, he's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. All who came before him were thieves and robbers, now he bids them come. He tells them that he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. John tells us that at the gathering, there was a crowd that no one could number. It was a gathering of people from every tribe, tongue, and language. And they were the ones who were singing, worthy is the lamb. In many respects, we have no idea what that day will be like. On day one of eternity, when the praise of heaven begins, and the lamb is exalted. We have no idea what that will be like. But imagine it's a gathering that is one of those big screens up. You know, you know the kind that you get at sporting events, football matches, athletics. 
the TV screens on which the action is relayed, but on which the camera pans around to see faces in the crowd. The, the question for you tonight is, will the camera pick up your face? Are you in the crowd? Are you living for? Have you bowed down before? Have you trusted in the Lamb? Has he taken your sins and your sorrows and made them his very own? Have you, got, have you known the peace in your heart which tells you that Jesus has said, I've got you covered? Where is the Lamb? Everywhere we look in the scriptures. Who is the Lamb? Well, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. And worthy is the Lamb. Worthy of our praise. Worthy of our following. Well, what should our response be? Well, Charles Simeon, the old Anglican preacher, helps us with that. Listen to what he writes about transferring our sins and sorrows onto another. Simeon says, In Passion Week, as I was reading Bishop Wilson on the Lord's Supper, I met with an expression to this effect, that the Jews knew what they did when they transferred their sin to the head of their offering. The thought came into my mind, what may I transfer all my guilt to another? Has God provided an offering for me that I may lay my sins on his head? Then, God willing, I will not bear them on my own soul one moment longer. Accordingly, I sought to lay my sins upon the sacred head of Jesus. The only way any of us here tonight will get into heaven is by trusting in Jesus. The, the only way for us to know God is to be covered over with the righteousness of the Lamb of God. It's the Lamb, it's Jesus who, who bears our transgressions, our rebellion, our messed upness. The question is, are we in the crowd or are you watching by the sidelines? If you were to die tonight, would we see you on the screen? Isaiah 53 has rightly been called the gospel in the Old Testament. Well, what a helpful chapter for us to consider as we give thanks following our time around the Lord's table. As we conclude our day in church, we've been clearly reminded that someone has spilt their blood and had their body broken so that we might be rescued. And we go into another week reminded that when we trust in Jesus, he says to us, I've got you covered. Are you covered? Are you looking to him? Have you trusted in him? Are you believing in him? Let's pray together. Lord, as we pray to you tonight, we say in our hearts, worthy is the lamb. We pour out our souls in thanksgiving at what you have done for us on the cross. We thank you for our precious Savior, Jesus, and for how he has spilt his blood so that we might be welcomed into your family. Father, we thank you for him and for all that he has done for us, and we thank you that he also provides us with the hope of heaven. But we pray tonight for those who aren't yet trusting in you, that they might realize that they need to be covered by the precious blood of your son and come to trust in him for the first time. Father, bless your word to all of our hearts tonight. May we go into a new week refreshed and reinvigorated spiritually, always looking to the lamb who has covered our sins. And we pray in his name. Amen.